Welcome to that Outside Perspective with me, Adam Meredith. Oh, that was terrible, wasn't it, guys? Ah, I like to fuck around and play with accents. I'm not good at them, though. <laughs> so, welcome to Outside Perspective. How is everybody doing today? It's Thursday, if you're listening when this drops anyway. Well, no, I lied. It's Monday. Monday, if you're listening when this drops. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Housekeeping, let's get those out of the way. Go like and subscribe, or go subscribe to the podcast, please, if you haven't already. Also, leave a rating, leave a review, and if you haven't checked out the socials, go check those out. We're on Instagram and Facebook, Outside Perspective underscore podcast. These things are in the show notes. Um, I'd really appreciate it if you can go show some support. Obviously, I appreciate you guys listening, so thank you. I want to take a second and tell you guys about my friends over at Jumbo Superfoods. Jumbo Superfoods is a California-based health food company that provides the highest quality cannabis-based products. But I want to tell you guys specifically about their CBD line. CBD stands for cannabidol. Cannabidol is one of the many cannabinoids found in the cannabis plant and has also been shown to have medicinal value, meaning it can aid in improving your health. The cannabis plant is an adaptogen, and CBD specifically has been shown to reduce inflammation, aid in mood regulation in cases of depression, but it can also reduce anxiety and stress, and has neuroprotective properties, meaning it can help the brain. It blows my mind when I think about all of the different things that this one plant can do. And this is just a small list of the benefits of CBD. Now, before I go any further, I know many of you have already heard the word cannabis and have automatically gotten worried. Let me put your worries to bed. You're asking yourself, will I fail a drug test? No, you will not. If you are buying high-quality products, like those from Jumbo Superfoods, they use only premium ingredients, nothing artificial, nothing harmful. All of their products are made right here in the U.S., and they are tested in a lab to measure for purity. You can actually go over to their website, jombosuperfoods.com, and see the lab results for yourself. Go check it out. And while you're there, you can check out their full line of CBD products. They have CBD spray. Their CBD spray is phenomenal. I like to put the cinnamon one in my coffee. Tastes delicious. They have CBD drops, both for you and your pets. They have a grass-fed ghee and MCT oil. Add that to your coffee. They have a lip balm. They have a muscle balm, which is my absolute favorite. I use the muscle balm after training jujitsu. I put it on my fingers. I put it on my sore muscles and such. It makes a world of difference. So remember, go over to jambosuperfoods.com. That's J-A-M-B-O-S-U-P-E-R-F-O-O-D-S, jambosuperfoods.com. Check them out. Use the link in the show notes. It helps support the podcast, so I thank you in advance. If you're a first-time shopper, use the code JOMBOLOVESYOU at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your first order. So one more time, go to JOMBOSUPERFOODS.COM. Use the link in the show notes. It helps support the podcast, and use the code JOMBOLOVESYOU at checkout to save 15%. Let's take a second and talk about what you're eating for breakfast, or better yet, what you could be eating. If you're like most of us, you need something quick for breakfast. I got you covered. Mighty Cricket Cereal. Now I know what you're thinking. Crickets. 
Hear me out, folks. Crickets are actually a complete protein containing all nine essential amino acids. They are high in vitamin B12 and have an excellent ratio of omegas. Not to mention, they are one of the, if not the most, sustainably sourced proteins available. They use far less land and water than any other protein source, including plants. So, keep an open mind. Because not only are crickets good for you, they actually taste delicious. Once you roast them, they actually have like a nutty flavor. Mighty Cricket, they have a 100% pure cricket protein, a cricket waffle and pancake mix, which all you need for that is water or your favorite type of milk, i.e. like an almond milk or cow's milk if you prefer that. And that actually packs 10 grams of protein per serving. And they have an oatmeal. Their oatmeal comes in three different flavors. comes in a cinnamon apple, coconut cream, and a dark cocoa. These things taste phenomenal. They only take one or two minutes to warm up in the microwave, and you're good to go. Mighty Cricket only uses quality ingredients, and they don't pack it full of all the fucking junk. It's not going to be packed full of sugar or fillers or any of those artificial ingredients. You're getting a quality breakfast and none of the junk. So, if you'd like to check out any of their products, go over to cricketcereal.com. That's cricket, C-R-I-C-K-E-T, C-E-R-E-A-L, Com. My guest today is Johnny Irish, Dan O'Connor. Dan is a motherfucking wild man. I love this guy. I've known Dan for for a really long time, so um, we have both been fighting for fucking the same time. And we talked about it on the podcast, how long he's been fighting, how long I've been fighting. And uh, I didn't even, I was doing the math like after the show and it's just so crazy. So uh, if I were still fighting, it'd be officially 10 years uh, this past October. So it is now December. And so that'd be a couple months ago. It would be, you know, 10 years. And he's coming up on his 10 year in, uh, in January. So he has been around for a long time and seen a lot change and evolve in the game, um, such as myself. And uh, Dan is just the, uh, he's the wildest, craziest motherfucker I know in the best way possible. So I had a really good time just sitting down and just shooting the shit and just, you know, just talking uh, about his, uh, just talking about his journey and and different things. So I think you're going to enjoy this one a lot. So um, Dan is, he just, so he just retired from fighting, you know, MMA professionally and uh, he has some of the best stories. So, without further ado, Dan O'Connor. How's it sound? Everything sounds good. Groovy. Daniel O'Connor, Danny O'Connor. Do you go by Danny or Daniel or Dan? I go by what the fuck ever, man. They have my nickname comes up all the time. I get called Irish Johnny. People don't know my real name. Johnny, yeah, I always call you (laughs) like I always think of Johnny Irish. You had that cool. You had the fucking uh, one of the coolest banners from back in the snatch banner. Yeah, I get I get asked about that a lot. That was a that was a that was a drunken idea. Yeah, all my ideas come when I'm lit up. So yeah, I watched the. I was looking up Snatch the movie and uh, saw that picture, and I was like, "That'd be a cool fucking like to redo." Dude, that's one of the best fucking movies. Yes. Who did that guy, Richie? 
Yes. He makes fantastic movies. And uh, you got the guy that just fought freaking uh, Wilder, who's basically the guy that um, Brad Pitt portrayed. He's freaking uh, Pikey. Oh, really? He's a gypsy. He goes around. He did go went around bare knuckle boxing. Oh. Um, Tyson, Tyson Fury. Yeah, Tyson Fury. He was a he's the Gypsy King. That's why I call him that. He used to go around bare knuckle boxing throughout Europe. I did not know that. <laughs> I don't know anything about him. I really should listen to his podcast on Rogan. Um, a lot of people said it was really good. I didn't even hear it, but I knew a lot about the guy because of that. Oh, really? You did. When, when he started coming up, and I was like, oh man, he sounds like the guy off of Snatch, and then sure shit, he fucking. He basically was. Was the dude off of, off of uh, Snatch? That's dope. That's fucking dope, dude. Um, man, dude. So let's uh, let's talk about your recent fight because for the folks who don't know, you have been in the game for a long time. About ten years. Yeah, yeah. I know. Um, I think it was like nine years. I think I fought whenever I stopped. So I know I think you started right about nine years. It'll be ten years in January. Yeah, and say I think you, you we were starting right at the same time. You started a little bit before me, Something but like either way, dude, it's been a long ass fucking road. Yeah, it has. A lot, lot, a lot has changed. It is, and that's a lot of change, and it's adapted so much. So that's kind of got to the point where being tough and uh, being tough wasn't going to cut it anymore. No, dude, it, it only that shit would only take you so far. And that's how far it took me. I was 36 years old. I had a year set. It was 35. So, I man, I watched people go past their prime that were coaches of mine and friends of mine that would go past their prime trying to still fight. Yeah. And I was like, man, I got to I gotta make a year and to cut it off. And I cut it off at 35, but I, was, I, I couldn't go out on a loss because I was uh, I was in those camps, last few camps, working on the east side. I was During camp, I usually didn't party and stuff, but – it kind of progressed a little bit, and I was doing, I was drinking too much and partying too much during camps, and I had to. Yeah. I was like, I got to do one where I'm not drinking at all during camp and going out and shit. So. Yeah. <laughs> so this is my last one, and it was a. Uh, I was gonna. I didn't know if I was gonna do it or not, but for the cause. Yeah, you had good reason. Yeah, right? you know, for guns and hoses and backstoppers. My cousin was a recipient of it. That I couldn't turn it down, so I had to. Had to take one more. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. It's, that one is definitely, um, I mean, that's a fight that's a lot bigger than yourself, right? It's, Correct. It, that's an easy one to get up for. So yeah. For the folks listening, though, and I would actually, actually, I want to know more about it because, um, dude, I um, I don't consume a lot of news, mm-hmm. and um, I even consume less on Facebook now. So, like, obviously, I'm aware of, like, what happened to your cousin, but like I don't know all the details or anything like that. Not that you need to give me all the details, but like give me the rundown. Like what? Give me yeah. Like tell tell me about your cousin. What happened? You know why you're fighting and, and all that good stuff for him. As a matter of fact, I think it was a year ago tomorrow. Um, I was actually uh, my buddy um, Mike uh, Mike Fowler was in town. I was taking him out to eat. I got a phone call from my dad that said uh, my cousin Ryan had got shot. He's an Arnold police officer. He was um, transporting a guy. To jail and the other officers I guess missed the gun that he had hidden he had two guns on him they missed one of the guns and uh di- while he was pulling in the police station on a police station the guy pulled the gun out shot my cousin back of the head straight through his brain and stopped his eye socket <clears throat> 40 caliber and uh they didn't expect him to live so that's like the worst phone call you could get that's the one is being a son of a cop brother of a cop grandson cousin nephew of a cop you're all of those yeah i'm all of those that's what you're always worried about that's your biggest fear growing up 
uh, and that's the phone call we got that day. And I was eating sushi with Mike Fowler and I was trying to explain to him and he was like looking at me like, is this your life? This is kind of, this is the shit that happens in my life. And, uh, it, he was, uh, there wasn't sure what to make it. And long story short, he, uh, he ended up making it and he's doing a thousand times better than anybody thought he was going to do. Um, he's still not a hundred percent. They don't know if he'll be a hundred percent. I think he will because we just have some weird DNA in our family that we're just tough <laughs> and go beyond what people think we can pull. You guys off. are all fucking fighters. Yeah. And that's basically it. Our grand, my, our grandpa was a professional wrestler, professional boxer. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was a giant guy. I got screwed on the height weight. <laughs> <laughs> he was six, six and I'm five, three. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he's just tough, and he uh, he's coming along, and he's doing fantastic. So when this opportunity came, because I've been trying to raise money as much as I can to help out because there's only certain things I can do to help people out. And this is something where I can use my, I guess, uh, semi-fame or whatever you want to call it to help out. Yeah. So I try and help people out as much as I possibly can in life, and this is a certain way that I can do that, so... I've been trying to, I try to raise money in different ways to yeah. help in that situation. Well, dude, you're deeply embedded in this fucking St. Louis community. Like there's been times, you know, we've been, we've been at parties or whatnot, like, like Helmfest or something and sitting there <laughs> talking and shit. Like you have all the best stories, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to fucking have you on. You are the craziest motherfucker I know <laughs> in the best possible way, yeah. like nine lives. But, um, but yeah, no, like you're just, uh, pretty deeply like ingrained like in this area um i don't know where the fuck i was going with that oh helping people um so i dude you've always killed it with like ticket sales and shit like that yeah. and, and being able to like get people together because like you know so many different types of groups in the fucking area that's true i uh some of the groups say you don't want to know, but <laughs> <laughs> working where I work and doing what I do, I was like, you meet everybody. Um, yeah, but those are the people that you want to know on the same, yeah, at the same time. Yeah, have money that <laughs> <laughs> throw money out there to buy tickets and want to be hot shots. Uh, it, it's weird. I never expected this uh, starting out. Yeah. And I, I knew, I, I always knew that I had stage presence and uh, could definitely talk. So I would be able to bring people into whatever I did. Yeah. So that's why I did it the way I did it. And I try to help people out in the way I, the way I have, because that's what my mom always did and kind of got ingrained in me of helping others. Yeah. So I try and do that. Well, the t-shirt company that we started for a little bit to teach people how to make t-shirts and what to do. When did you do that? Uh, when I started out, I first made my, when I first made the Johnny Irish t-shirts. When I started, I sold like 200 of them. Dude. Yeah. You are a beast <laughs> <laughs> and i mean you just got, you got to know how we know what people like and know what to put on them and i was trying to teach people how to do that we made a t-shirt company with jim jenkins and uh, another guy and we it was um custom fighter tees or some crap name i can't remember what the hell it was yeah but uh we we're basically handed out t-shirts made t-shirts for their fighters and like hey give us 50 percent back well it ended up screwing us in the end but it was helping out other fighters and teaching them how to do what I did, make quality T-shirts that are soft and comfortable. Yeah. And don't make it with a stupid-ass logo that nobody's going to want or have your face just plastered on it. Yeah. And show them what they want. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to help people out in different regards. Yeah, add a little business to yeah. it. Dude, so many people do not understand the business no. side of this. It's crazy. It blows me away. It's tough to make money and fight, and people don't understand that. Oh, yeah. I was like, I, I did the banners and I did the T-shirts, and uh, I was looking at how other fighters made money, and I'd, I'd 
make a mental note of it and like, okay, I'm going to do this, this next fight. And I'm going to start trying to look for sponsors, look for uh, people that I'm going to use the t-shirts as a, uh, as a custom. I'm not going to make a lot of money off the t-shirts, but I can get, I get a sponsor to pay 500 bucks for a spot on the t-shirt. You know, you can still make like t-shirts cost like 20 bucks. You sell them for t-shirts cost like 10, 12 bucks. You sell them for 20, you make a little bit of money off of it, but yeah. you get the sponsor money off of that and the banners. Right. It's people, a one-one for everybody. Yeah. And, and then you have the, you sell your, uh, after party, you know, people started doing that stuff. I don't know if I, I don't think I started it. I wouldn't say I started it, but I definitely promoted it where people learned how to promote themselves and promote their business, which is your marketing name. Right. You need to promote yourself, and that's your business name right now. Well, you're you, a fighter. Yeah. Well, you realized it was something that needed to be done, that needed to be done, and nobody was doing it around here, at least. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't realize it for other people. I realized it for me to make, because I was trying to make more money. Yeah. And then I noticed that nobody else was doing it, and there were friends that weren't doing it. Yeah. And I was trying to f- tell them, I was like, this is what you need to do. And I would basically sit people down and tell them how to make more money fighting, because as a fighter, you know, you start out, you make like 500 and 500. Dude, my very first fight, I think it was like three and three. Yeah, it's it's junk. Three hundred bucks. Yeah, I didn't make if, any money. If mine was that, I, yeah. I, don't, I think mine was right around that. Yeah, my dude. Yeah, I think I made after you pay for your license and yeah. whatever else, your blood work and all the other shit you got to pay for. Like, I think I, I made like three hundred bucks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what I did is I figured out uh, when I started selling tickets. And I started promoting, and I was like trying to figure out different ways to do it. My first fight, I made I made a killing. Yeah. Because I was trying to figure out extra ways to make money. Yeah. Because yeah. that was my job, at that point in time. You were hustling. So I hustled. I learned how to. I mean, that's just the thing I grew up with was hustling. Yeah. Figure out how to make more money. And I did the t-shirts. I did the banner. I did the after party. I did all that. I think I walked with probably ten times what most guys walk with in the first fight. Oh yeah. So, and once they saw that, like Jim Jenkins was probably the biggest guy that saw that and saw how much money I made. And he went, holy shit, <clears throat> why don't you, why don't we do this t-shirt company and you show guys how to make money because the, these promoters are only going to pay you this amount of money. Yeah. So I started doing that and started helping guys out and helping them promote each other. Like guys weren't asking for, didn't know how to ask for sponsors or scared to go up and walk, walk up to a business, knock on the door and be like, Hey, uh, Hey, listen, I got this fight coming up on blah, blah, blah. It has this many people are going to be watching it. It's going to be nationally televised. They're not doing that. They're just sitting there and they're walking out and they don't have, the other guy has a banner that has like 15 logos on it. And this guy is coming out with no banner, no t-shirts. And he's making basically what he shows up. And ticket sales. If he sold tickets, if it, if he doesn't know how to promote, he wasn't making money off of that either. Yeah, when you gotta, you have to put in the like the legwork to actually do that. Um, I know I was always guilty of like not actually wanting to do that. I would make T-shirts and sell them. I never really wanted to get sponsors. And a lot of guys, like you said, I think most of it for most people is like they just don't know how to do it. Yeah. I just didn't want to do it. But it, it is like if you want to make money, like you have to you have to sell. Like I, in hindsight, I should have did that shit. But you know what I mean, like. You have to to one like put in the work and like you can't be afraid to to say some people will say no but I mean you can't be afraid to go ask yeah and that's what a lot of thing is because you sound like you're begging for money and it, it does seem like you don't want to go and ask for help you gotta sell it's it not, you gotta it's not asking for help it's giving them a business opportunity to make more money as well mm-hmm. you gotta look at it as that or it, yeah I don't want to go ask somebody for money I go and tell them hey listen here's our business opportunity if you want it take it if you don't don't. Yeah. Here's what here's what we can do. Um, I can either have you like for their after parties. I'd say, hey, listen, this is uh, after party costs seven hundred fifty bucks. I'm gonna bring everybody from my people 
from my show, I'm sold uh, 250 tickets uh, to your after party. And I'm guessing 150 will show. If you'd like to have the after party here, awesome. If not, I'll go to the guy next door and ask him if, if he wants it. And they'll go, okay, well, let's do it that way. And that's how you do it. It's yeah. not hard to pull off if you just know how to talk to people. Yeah, and you don't got to be a dick, right? You're just no. you're just like, these are the facts. Yeah, these, you know what I mean? Here's the pros, here's the cons. Yeah. You, you take it or leave it. Yeah. If you don't like it, then uh, they'll either say, hey, we'll, we'll offer this amount of money. You can either say, okay, I'll take 500 for the after party, or you can think if you can make more money on the after party, you go to the guy next door who's down the street and ask him for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then essentially, I mean, I mean, they want that business. Yeah. They're going to make so much money. Once they saw the amount of people I actually brought in and the amount of money that was uh, being spent, most people didn't want to lose that business. Yeah. Because they would, I'd have guys that would come in that would uh, have bar tabs of, because my friends are heavy drinkers. So, <laughs> uh, they'd have, I'd have one person have a bar tab that would cover what they spent on me. Yeah. So they would go, okay, 500 bucks. Let's say 500 bucks. And we'd have one guy that would spend 500 bucks. And they go, then that's, there's a hundred and, 149 other people that are also have bar tabs. Yeah. So it's a huge night for them. Right. So usually you don't have a bar that has 150 freaking people yeah, trying to if anybody, everybody else. Just to get that many people alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, shit, you should have more bargaining power than that. Yeah. I mean, I, I always always try to keep it in a reasonable amount of money for people so they wouldn't uh, so they wouldn't look away from it or they wouldn't uh, feel like it was... Like they were being it was slided. a risk. Yeah, like it was a risk. Oh, it yeah. was always it was always a reward. It wasn't ever a risk because five hundred bucks to a bar is nothing. Yeah, especially when you have one guy that can cover it. And that's still five hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, and you're gonna do it anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna do that after party anyways, no matter what, because I'm going drinking somewhere after a fight. Right, right, and it's not <laughs> like I mean, and once you're there, it's all covered for yeah. you. And the, I mean, that was another part of it was my bar tab was usually covered, but my bar tab was never really that high because. Everybody's six, buying you drinks yeah. anyway. And it was six weeks of no drinking, so I, I had a low tolerance. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> and somebody buy it. We had a, one guy who used to sponsor me that would, first thing he would do is order uh, 50 Irish car bombs. Oh, and fuck. I love those. They so the, good. The, <sighs> next, the next thing that happened usually was I, I would try and get through as many as I could, and then I'd usually puke. <laughs> 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 because all but hit you at once, and you're just, ugh. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we had, we, I mean, that's his way to do the stuff, and people just didn't understand it. Right. And uh, once the once the the bars found out what kind of business you actually brought in, they would they were all about it. Like, when are you doing your next fight? I mean, I had some good good bars that would sponsor me, and some some that uh, screwed around and screwed up their business, and I just didn't use them again. They'd be like, "Oh, we're we're only gonna do ten percent of whatever they sell." Okay, whatever. And then I know one person has a bar tab of seven hundred bucks. And I know I, I get paid sixty bucks from them. I was like, I know you guys screwed me. Yeah, because I know? mean, you already yeah, just from one person. So you you lost uh you lost my business you lost my business to help your business. Now we're going to the guy next door and you're getting screwed out of that business. Yeah, yeah. Some people are so short sighted in business. It's just mm-hmm. a terrible. I mean, it's just a terrible uh, view to have. It is, and they learn lessons in life, I guess. And uh, their lesson in life is I don't get my business anymore. I don't have to down down talk them, but when uh, I won't say the names of the businesses that screwed me over the years because I have, I mean, I've done, been doing this fucking since 2012. I've been pro, but uh, they got screwed because they their business next door would it be packed and people would see the, all the people in there. That'd be the place that's popping. They would go to that place. Mm-hmm. So that night they would go, why is everybody over this place and not over at our place? They come in and I was, well, it's, it's Johnny Irish's after party for his fight. Uh, it's the guy we screwed over. 
well, you learn a lesson in life, and that's the way I look at it. If you, sc- if you screw me over, I don't use you again. Yeah. And you should learn your lesson for the next person that you try to screw over and you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, man. You got to learn that lesson at some point in time. Yeah. I would, I, I would hope anyway. You would hope. Some people don't. I, kn- I know those people that don't. Those are people that just hopefully they don't go far in life. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they do, and you're just like, what the hell, karma? But <laughs> Dude, and you've had a lot of fights. How many fights have you had total? Oh, crap. I've I should know this. <laughs> Dude, people ask uh, me that, and I'm just like, ah. I want to say 15, 16. Yeah. 16 pro fights, and then amateur, man, I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, you racked up a lot of those. There's a lot of uh, boxing, kickboxing, MMA. Muay Thai. Um, Muay Thai. They all add up. I don't, we don't have too many Muay Thai ones. I think I had one Muay Thai fight, uh, actual Muay Thai kick, uh, amateur fight. Okay, but I got I one. A, and then I had uh, some kickboxing, boxing, and MMA. Man, I'd say there's probably 30-something there. Yeah. So around 50, I'd guess. It's a lot of fights regardless. And that's not including, I mean, if you want to include bar fights, I couldn't even start counting. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different category. That's a whole different category. <laughs> Shit, dude. Yeah, so um, so you just wrapped up with this last one, and um, did you sell a shit ton of tickets for that one too? Uh, I sold I sold my tickets that they gave me. I sold. Uh, I sent people to other fighters. I probably, if I would have taken uh, money for this fight, I probably would have uh, – probably would have made a killing but yeah. i did i mean it was all charity yeah so it was so some uh, of the, some some of what, yeah what were they raising money for so this is for that, guns and hoses yeah right? guns, and, guns and hoses is for backstoppers uh they, they're raising money for backstoppers for fallen police officers and firefighters and uh any uh first responders um because police officers get killed firefighters get killed uh trying to save people and um it's one of the situations where they just bring up all the money, and that's one of the things that during my family's always done is gone to Guns and Hoses. So all the all the last fight I did was basically for uh, raising money. My cousin was the hero of the show, cousin Ryan O'Connor. Um, so I, I always wanted to fight for backstoppers, and I just never was a cop or a firefighter or anything. I tried a couple times to get on for certain things, and it just never came to fruition. And when this fight got offered, I was like, this is a perfect ending career fight oh, absolutely and uh I, I don't think i could top it and there's no reason to try yeah so i mean i was on the news and everything which freaked me out and <laughs> stuff like that yeah dude that's a hell of a story you know yeah. like it's a good it's a good cause it, as i said i told one of the persons it was people that are asking me uh i said i couldn't if i wrote a book i couldn't end it better than this so and i, I don't think i could yeah dude and you went out with a quick win yeah uh kid was uh, I went up a couple weight classes. I had a fight at one uh, weight in was at one forty two. I usually fight at like one fifteen, one twenty five. Mm-hmm. So now don't get me wrong, I was heavy when they first called me for it, but uh, I I could have made one thirty five, one twenty five easily. Yeah, but it's less miserable if you yeah. don't. <laughs> but I also look fat as crap when I, they put me on Channel 11 News. You're not all ripped out. It's like, listen, guys, this isn't my, my normal belly, fight shape. My belly hanging over the the pants. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was um, the guy was type of guy that i wanted to fight he was a tough guy um and the type of uh, type of experience i wanted and the type of fighter i wanted to fight for my last fight and um it was a fun fight and i didn't it didn't do exactly like i wanted to i wanted to land with something i wanted to finish with something cool to say you know i went out with a peruvian necktie or something like that or uh, a mirror lock but the guy didn't tap to him so i had to do one of my basic white belt setups uh, i called ninja turtle sweep to armbar and the ropes screwed me up a little bit because you're not used to doing those after mm-hmm. doing so many years of MMA. So, but it was a fun little, uh, fun fight, fun win. And um, 
I got to get my dad a, a, a good birthday present with um, giving him the uh, Guns and Hoses ring. Yeah. That I know he'll wear. It's too big for my hand. I look like I won the midget uh, midget uh, Super Bowl. And shit. <laughs> That's funny, dude. No, but there's some beauty in that in the sense that, you know, like armbar is one of the first things that you learn. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I mean, that's a hell of a way to end a career, too, with just one of the most principal moves there is in jiu-jitsu. And uh, I, I think that was one of the first submissions and first setups I learned when I started jiu-jitsu all those years ago, like 2007. Yeah. I think that's one of the first submissions I learned was that uh, that you do the sweep and you they go you go to mount mm-hmm. you, you get underneath them and you grab the double wrists and you go to mount or you go to or they post and then you take the arm and I went for one arm and uh, the rope screwed me up so I had to switch to the other arm which got it even tighter actually yeah but uh, I think it was one of the first moves I used I still use it to this day but it was a set it was a nice little setup I was I was never an ath- I was never a professional athlete I was a professional fighter. I was never athletic. I uh, I would do, I would do like misdirection to get people to get submitted. Like I'd play with something to make them think about that thing and then go for something else. Yeah. You know, they'd be worried about the one thing, you go for the other thing. Yeah, you've always and where did you start training at? I started training at JW Wrights. Uh, I actually started training Krav Maga and JW came to Krav Maga, and then uh, I switched over to JWs a lot, and then from JWs I went to Burgers. Okay. Was this back in the days when JW was? Um, was he? Had he started his school and he was just doing jujitsu, or was he still? He didn't have his own school at that point in time. He was actually out of a taekwondo gym. Okay, was he teaching sambo at that time too? Uh, or? He did. He taught me sambo. Okay. Because <laughs> I bought privates from him, but uh, okay. he did a lot of. He was a, he was a black belt in sambo, and I think he was a brown belt, right? Maybe a purple belt, maybe a brown belt. Right when I started with JW. Okay, so he was still kind of early in his jujitsu career. Yeah, I mean, he was still. F- Far advanced from a lot of people in St. Louis, Mm -hmm. but uh, he was in his jiu-jitsu career. I think maybe he just got his brown belt, or he might have been a purple belt. Well, yeah, I mean, at that time there wasn't, you know, a lot of schools, or maybe two. Yeah, maybe if that. And there was the Sambo (laughs) guy he trained under. uh, He did enough with him, and then he kind of switched over to the Gracies. Okay. So I mean, he was a huge, huge ground guy, but there was nowhere to train then. Yeah. That's how old. That's how old I am. <laughs> yeah. No. I had, we had JW on the podcast. It was a really good conversation. Um, so, uh, how long were you with? How long were you there? I've been basically on and off with JW since I started. Really? Uh, I, with, I would train with JW, and then I'd be at another gym doing more MMA. And burgers, then I, right? Yeah, burgers. You know, I've went to every freaking gym. In You've St. been Louis. everywhere, bro. Yeah. <laughs> basically, every gym in St. Louis, <laughs> other than like two. Um, I bounced around and trying to find the right fit at that right point in time in my life. Yeah. Which is kind of what you need when you need more of a structured uh, base when you're a more structured person. Ten years is a long time to be, you know, in a sport. And it, it's nice if you could find a coach to kind of be there along the entire path. But if there's definitely some mentors that you can, like, check back in with and different yeah. things. Like, I mean, as we evolve and grow, I mean, you, you may not have the same coach your whole life, yeah. right? I mean, you, most likely you won't. So it's just kind of it is what it is. And yeah, your your whatever your uh, your path is at that point in time is kind of where the gym you're going to be more led to. Yeah. Like right now, my path is I'm at I'm at Wolves Den and I'm at JWs, and that's kind of the path I'm at is you, it, go and have fun and do what you do. It's not so structured. It's not you have to be here now or you're doing up downs that kind of stuff. Yeah, I definitely enjoy the life of uh, not having like fight camps anymore. Yeah. Because just so many days to where, you know, you're you're trying to, like, rush to get to practice at, like, 4.30. Yeah. 
Yeah. So you and you know what I mean. And then like you never feel like you're getting everything in that you want to, right? Because, man, you gotta you gotta lift, you gotta wrestle, you gotta do jujitsu, yep. you gotta strike, you gotta throw it all together in MMA, right? Like you you want to do gi and no gi, like you. <laughs> it's like working. At, uh, I always look uh, likened it to work. Like you go and you get a job at working at your favorite restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's not your favorite restaurant anymore after you get the job there. No. Because you're going to be like, man, I hate this fucking place. Yeah. You I just know? got tired of getting punched in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I never got tired of that. I got tired of I taken down and taken down and held down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, see, I dude, yeah. I just do nothing but jujitsu these days. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going to be here very shortly. As yeah. I got sir, I think I'm, I'm, I don't know where I'm going next, but I think it's going to be just jujitsu. Yeah. I got set a new bar. I think I've hit all of them. But, uh, you know, it's one of the things like time, timing, timing is a big thing for gyms too. Yeah. My daughter gets off the bus at like three thirty, and you know, you got to go drop them off at the grandmother's house and get to the gym by four thirty, and you're late every time and you got to do up downs every time. It's a rush, dude. You know, yeah. and you get there like four forty five, like the people are pissed off that you're there 15 minutes late. Yeah. And you can't do nothing about it. Yeah. Or if like, I mean, in my case, like, I mean, I worked like a nine to five. So yeah. like normally I got off at like four or four thirty. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm rushing out of there just to get the practice. Yeah. You know? And it's not fun to do. You kind of, you know, everybody's going and getting after work drinks and you're flying to go get punched in the face. <laughs> and it's not something you think, man, I really want to get to the gym as fast as I can. Hey, man, I really like to go out to the happy hour with all my coworkers and talk about the shit that happened at work today. Yeah. Well, when you're deep in it, I don't think you're necessarily having those thoughts, but it is, it's just maybe in hindsight, you start thinking yeah. about that stuff because in the moment, like, I'm like, man, fuck, I'm trapped here. I'd rather be at the gym right now going and training, right? Yeah. Whenever you're like, you're in full go, but, uh. Yeah, it can definitely, that, uh, it's just a full-time thing, you know what I mean? Wake up in the morning, at least for me, like, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd run, then I'd go to work, work the 9 to 5, get off, go train, be there from anywhere from <laughs> two to two, two and a half hours, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, gosh, go home, do whatever else you gotta do, I mean, repeat. I, w- I mean, I had a really funky schedule, I didn't wake up and run, but uh, my funky schedule was, I'd go to the gym, then I'd go to work, and I'd get off of work, and I'd go to the gym. Then I go to sleep for a couple hours, and I go to the gym, and then I get get out, go to work, and then I go to the gym because I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I work twelve to fifteen hour shifts. God, and you work overnight, right? I work overnight, which is hell. Oh my god! And it's work on the east side is fun time, man. <clears throat> now I don't know how you do that. You go days without sleeping. Very. I mean, not a lot of people can, but I I go days without sleeping, and it's uh, sometimes it affects me, sometimes it doesn't, because you I know my body well enough to know I'll get a second and third wind. Like, I'll be super tired when I get off. Yeah. And then if I go and, like, train or something, I'll get a second wind. And I realize after I train I get the second wind, I know I'm not going to sleep that day. Really? I was like, because I'll be, I'll have energy. And yeah. And i go, crap. So I, I'm sitting, I'm laying in bed, laying in bed, staring at the ceiling, can't go to sleep. And then. And this is I, during the day? This is during the day. Yeah. The sun hits you too, it screws you. Yeah, that makes sense because once you, once, I mean, you get sun exposure, then your cortisol levels, you yep. know, they kind of fucking. Forgot the word, but like they go up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they uh. Yeah. So you're gonna be awake at that time. Oh yeah, and that that screws me because as soon as the sun hits me, I'm like a vampire. It pops me awake. Yeah. And I can't deal with. I can't even. There's no. There's no. And people are out party like go, playing with their kids or in the yards and stuff. And you hear all those sounds, and those are things that wake you up too. Mm-hmm. Not just the sound of it, but the happiness kind of gets flowed into your head. Like I should be out with my kid playing on the yard, playing baseball, throwing, playing catch and stuff like that. And it snaps you awake too. Yeah. So all those things kind of 
bind against you, I guess, and makes you stay awake. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like, the world is all operating, right? So, like, you don't want to, like, miss all of that all the time. Yeah. So, I only, I worked a third shift uh, one time, and it was, it was right after, I think it was 2011, I moved back here from San Antonio, and I worked third shift um, doing security. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just read a lot of books and watched movies and different things, but you're up all night and then like you get off. I can definitely think of a couple of times where I went probably 24 hours without sleeping. Cause like I get off and then I'm up with the kids or doing all the normal day stuff. And then like, maybe you try to catch a nap or something during the day before you go train again. If you can catch it. Yeah. yeah. If it's raining during the day, like water puts me asleep. Yeah. The sound of water knocks me the hell out. But if it's a sunny day, it's really tough, and you try and black out your room as much as you can, but yeah. some light sneaks in, and it still hits you. Yeah, the light definitely sneaks in, man. It's hard um, during the day. Yeah, fucking, you put, like, a little waterfall <laughs> in your room or something to get that noise. I try. I, I get this weird <laughs> thing where I go and lay in, I go and uh, uh, turn a shower on and lay on the bathroom floor with the covers and stuff. Yeah. That puts me to sleep. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. But works so damn well for me. Hey, whatever works, dude, because sleep is one of the most important fucking things. Agreed. Yeah. What's the craziest shit you've seen working at the, uh, on the east side? <laughs> that, that, you're, not, you're getting into, um, man, I, the craziest shit I've seen, the craziest shit that's happened. Well, what happened last Tuesday? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, how, well, like, how the fuck do we ask this question? We've had, uh, I mean, I've had incidents where, uh, I've had guys pull guns on me, um, we had an incident once where a guy was trying to force my wife outside, uh, um, trying to force my wife to leave, and I was trying to leave. <clears throat> Long story short, uh, the guy starts trying to pick a fight with me. He's a larger, uh, larger guy than me, uh, obviously, if you've seen me. <laughs> and um, got to the point where I'm trying to beg him not to start shit because I'm trying not to get into a fight. And he ends up um, cocking back to hit me, and so I headbutt him <laughs> and split his eye open. Oh, shit. And uh, he back he falls out of his he falls out of his bar stool, because we're both like half sitting down and shit. And uh, I was I stepped in between him and my wife. I was like, hey, this is my chair and you're my table, blah 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 blah. And uh, when he caught back to hit me, I had but him. He backs up and he backs up about ten feet. Anybody's been in a street fight or a bar fight, no, he got two decisions there. He's gonna rush you or he's gonna run. He's not gonna stand there and wait for you to walk to him. And I'm like, all right, dude, you're leaking. Go away. And uh, as he's doing that, he starts to reach in his pants, and I realize he's got something. I didn't know what it was. I started running at him, throw, throwing punches before I even got to him. I hit him a couple times, and uh, I realize, as he's pull, as I realize he's pulling a gun out, and I lit him up a couple times. He went to the ground. He, as I'm yelling at him to stay down, and uh, he stands back up. He starts reaching again. I grab him around the waist, and I suplex him on his head and knock him out. And uh, <laughs> I don't even know this is the weirdest one. This was crazy. Uh, they ended up. He ended up, um, he's spilling blood everywhere. And the security grabs him and pulls him outside. Well, he tries to pull the gun on security. Cops arrest him. Ended up, he had something to the effect of he had, the gun was either not registered, he had murders on the gun or something already. And uh, we had that situation. We have guys pull guns on me a couple times. We had a couple drive-bys on me um, from guys that would try and either rob me or try and punk me on at Roxy's when I was working there. Yeah. Um guys that would shoot at you and stuff like that. Holy shit, dude. How many times have you been shot at? I can't count. That's like count bar fights to me, man. Dude. It's uh, it's rarer these days, I'll say that, because working over where I work now compared to where I worked in Brooklyn, 
was uh, when I worked in Brooklyn, it was pretty consistent every weekend. Brooklyn, Illinois, for the yeah. folks listening. Yeah, Brooklyn, Illinois versus <laughs> where I'm at now. <laughs> um, now it's a lot safer. It's a lot more upscale. Then it was people come by, and it, this is, I don't know how to really word this. I don't look like um, I could, I could um, protect myself. Well, just if if people just want to be dicks, just from yeah. like, from height alone. Yeah, height but... alone. I don't look like I could. I, if you came up and tried to rob me, I don't look like I'd be able to stop you. And I surprised the hell out of people. So, and that's what usually happened over there when Brooklyn was around. Uh, those strip clubs not even even around anymore because of how crazy it got. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, most of that's closed all down. Oh shit! I was in there the heyday when it was a wild, wild west. We had drive-bys where we had one drive-by uh, they talk about to this day. Um, my first week in there, we had a drive-by on. I had a guy on my stand, and I almost got lit up. My fr- my second night there, and it was like he's not ever coming back. And I just put in my head, I was like, I'm I'm not coming back unless I made this amount of money this night. And I made like twenty dollars over that amount of money. I put in my head. <laughs> I was like, shit, I got to come back. <laughs> so they, they bought you. Yeah, and that's basically what it was. And we had incidents where guy would try and rob me, and I'd knock him out, and uh, he'd come back by and do a, try to drive by on me because I'd make him look embarrassed what? in front of his homies. And one of the times where I thought I was done, I was like, I heard, a, I heard his car slow down right outside where I was standing, and I was right by the road. And I went, oh, shit. I looked back. And it was a guy, he had a gun out the window, and I went, oh, crap, I can't go anywhere because I'm blocked in. There's nowhere I could run to. So I just crossed my arms and I stared at him. I was like, I'm dead. I know I'm getting shot. And I just stared at the guy, and he unloaded. And he missed me from 15, 10 feet away. Missed me with every bullet. Thank God I'm small. And, I mean, it looked like a cartoon of how he missed me. It must have went all around my body, like uh Roger Rabbit or some crap outlining Dude, my body. I feel so in like just tense right now just hearing oh, it was, that situation. It, <laughs> and it's what's jacked up is you don't you quit ducking after a certain amount of times being shot at, which is the most weird thing to say and most stupid thing to say, but we would hear like during um uh New Year's Eve is one of the big ones. You hear gunshots for four hours because the people are shooting guns in the air. That's a that's a it's like a tradition. It's a tradition. A if, you live in, if you live in North County or North City, that's what you hear all the time, and bullets are bouncing off the ground. We we had that where we were sitting there laughing and joking, talking, like we wouldn't go inside or go and look for cover, and then all of a sudden you'd look around on the ground and bullets are landing right near you. Yeah. And uh, they were, like, hitting concrete and busting concrete up. And people used to say, like, if it comes from the sky and it comes down, it loses velocity, it won't hurt you. Yes, it will fucking hurt you. It's busting concrete up. It'll go through your skull. Yeah, no, it, it can still, yeah. That's what fucking kills me about that. Because I think they do that all over the world. I think that's just, like, a thing. And it's the dumbest shit on the planet. Yeah, Because man, whatever goes, it must come down. It has to it, come back down. And it's still going to, like, to say it, it loses. Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's not going to It's coming lose. with enough velocity. I mean, a golf ball will kill you if you get hit in the head by it. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not, a, I don't know all the fucking physics and whatnot, but I'm, I mean, there's, there's gravity and it's, it's coming down. Yeah. I feel like it's still, it's going to gain momentum. It can and it's still go through. have some enough it's, momentum to go through your skin skull. Yeah, man. I wonder how many people get killed from bullets just like falling out of the fucking sky, you know, cause I know Mythbusters did something, uh, and I watched not long ago and it said, Oh, it's not going to kill you if it comes, goes up, it comes down. And I went, I watched it go through my cooler and hit concrete. I was like, my skull is not as strong as a cooler and a soda and concrete. Hmm. My, your skull's only that big, you know, and it's it's going through and it's chipping concrete and busting up this this lead bullet. Yeah, you know, you know, it's jacked up. You know, it's gonna go through you. That's concrete. And you, so you've never been shot. 
Uh, we have, well, there was an incident where I don't know if I was ever shot or hit with a rock from a ricochet, but when I was a young kid, uh, oh. when I was a young kid living in, I think, I think I was living in uh, Lima or something then. And somebody did a drive by on me when I was, I guess I was like seventh grade and, uh, it hit, it hit concrete. We don't know what hit me, but it didn't, pe- it busted up my ankle, but it didn't penetrate with, yeah, like you know, flesh wound. Yeah, so it was a little bit of nothing. Could have been anything. Yeah, it could have been anything. Could have been a rock. Could have been something. Something went through my shoe and hit my ankle. Though. Now you hear people talk about getting shot though, and they say it's like it's like a it's like that. It's like getting hit with a rock or like a yeah. bite or like you know what I mean. Like this, it hurt. This, it hurt whatever the hell hit me. <laughs> yeah, it's like this this sharp puncture pain, but it's like like you wouldn't think it's a shot. Guns don't bother me as much as knives do. Yeah. Because usually if you deal with somebody with a knife, you're getting cut no matter how good you are at weapon retention, which I'm very, very good at. If you pull a gun on me, and I, I can react quick enough and get the gun and pull the gun away from you. Yeah. Which I've done a few times. Knives are one of those things where I've been stabbed a couple of times. Yeah. You will get cut. Yeah. It's just what severity. Yeah. How severe? I mean, you don't know if they're going to get through your heart or you're going to get through your hand. I've had been stabbed in the hand, stabbed in the arm, stabbed in the side. Oh, God and, uh, I mean, it's just, those are usually, those are usually street fights or something like that. <sighs> I've had guns pull on me so many damn times. The reason I'm married to this day is because I had a gun pulled on me. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> Shit, that's a hell of a way to do it. Yeah. I was, uh, <laughs> been with my wife since I was 17. Yeah. Her parents hated my guts. And uh, one of the times uh, when they started kind of coming around to me, we were I took her and dropped off a Backstreet Boys concert. And I was with my brother-in-law and one of his friends. And we are down in the loop. The dude tried, uh, dude tried robbing all of us. I knew he was trying to rob us. And uh, he didn't really come out. The come out. He's like, "Hey, you guys want to buy any blah blah blah?" blah. I'm like, "No, nah, man, we're not interested. You want to buy it?" Da, da, da. I said, "Hey, man, listen, don't do it. I know what you're about to do. Don't do it." And he pulled the gun out. Ended up uh, waiting for him to. He kept putting the gun away when cars drove by. I waited for one of the cars to drive by, and I grabbed the gun and I punched him in the face. And he uh, he ended up uh, knocked him out and took off running. Yeah, buddy, coming across the street. So Crystal's mom, my wife's mom. Hated my guts, thinking I was just a derelict, which she wasn't wrong. <laughs> uh, but she's—I I, she thought I saved her her son's life, so she kind of came around on me. So she let me continue dating her daughter. Yeah, and here we are, all these years later. Yeah, I was sixteen years, seventeen years old. <sighs> You're a special breed, dude, because I married my high school sweetheart, and uh, that was the wrong fucking move. <laughs> <laughs> that was the wrong fucking move. Um, we're just two different people, and like I feel like at that age, um, like the driving force for me to want to be with somebody, <laughs> just fucking just just nature and hormones running the fucking game, and just me just sacrificing whatever sort of happiness I want just for that for that little bit of yeah. <laughs> momentarily happiness. Well, I met. I mean, I had a I had a crazy life before I met my wife. Yeah, like I lived an insane life before then. I mean, as weird as it is now, yeah, it's never it's never gotten any crazier than than what it was in the beginning. And uh, I met her when I was I, well, actually I started dating her the first time when I was when a freshman in high school, and then I ended up dating her again when we were uh, juniors in high school. And I came home and I was like, I, f- I fell in love, and I told my mom, I told my mom, I was like, hey, listen, I found a girl I'm gonna marry. And my mom knew from that day on. She goes, Dan always whatever he said he was gonna do, he was gonna do. Yeah, and that's always where I've been. I've I've hit every bar I ever wanted to hit, <laughs> as bad as that is. But uh, I she knew that I was gonna marry the girl, and I I married her, and I've been with her since I was seventeen. I'm fucking thirty six now. <sighs> Damn, dude, almost, almost twenty years, bro. Yeah, seventeen, thirty, yeah. 
almost 20 years. Yeah, 19 years. Yep, and I have two kids with her. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, she's she keeps me grounded. She's a driving force behind me because I wouldn't be able to do half the stuff I've done without her. Yeah. She I mean, she's my she's my world, and I love her to death. Yeah. Well, you guys have made it through a very, like, uh, difficult, like, life point. You know what I mean? Like, those early years in life, Yeah. which is why I feel like a lot of people don't make it, myself included, was – you know, like, your brain's still fucking format, like, still forming. Like, you're learning who you are. Like, there's just a lot of change and different things that are happening. And mm-hmm. then, uh, like, when you're going through that with another person who's also changing and all that shit, like, what are the odds of making it through that? And we're opposites in a lot of regards. You know, and it was uh, it was one of those things where opposites attract. And, you know, we've, we've had, we went through some tough times in life. Yeah. A lot of tough times. And she's just kind of kept me centered and I kept her a little bit wild. I can dig and it. And it was uh it was perfect combination. We're um oil and oil and water, I guess. Yeah. We're perfect combination. You level Yin each other Yang. out, you know. Yeah. And you know, you level each other out with all this all my insanity that you don't always want all the time and how all her stability and she, I get to give her a little insanity that she has fun with. Yeah. You know, she's uh she's a quite a freaking girl to deal with the crap I'd have to deal with all the time and <sighs> Fuck you know your world. husband gets shot at and stabbed and yeah. gets in fights all the time and cops cops are looking for him for fart, for, for uh, getting in bar fights and didn't realize he didn't do nothing wrong when they when they come and see them 5'3 and the guy's 6'6 six, six. <laughs> 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 He's picking on me. I didn't know what to do. I hit him. Hey, man, fuck, dude. You know, you got to you gotta take care of yourself. Yeah, and I mean, she's dealt with a lot of those craziness. I mean, being a bouncer, she saw me having to take on 10 guys and get them outside the door and shit like that. So she saw all that stuff. And Yeah. And she stayed there. <laughs> dude, yeah. Fuck, dude. Hey, more power to her. Yeah. I mean, she's a saint. I mean, I've been in love since I was 17 years old. That's just insanity. Yeah. And I think she has been. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I wanted to ask you about, um, since we've kind of, it's a perfect segue because we're, we're talking kind of like more of the beginning of your life. Dude, you grew up on Chuck Berry's property, right? Yep. Uh, well, I, gr- I grew up, I started off in Jennings and then my parents uh, moved to Lake St. Louis and they got a divorce. My mom moved a lot growing up. Uh, a lot of places we lived and we moved back to Chuck Berry's property uh, quite a few times. My aunt was really good friends with them. And uh, he was a friend of the family. So we lived a lot of times on Chuck Berry's property. Man, that's cool. What? Uh, so where is that at? Like, what's it like? It's in Winsville off of Buckner Road. Oh, uh, yeah? It was, uh, it was like, my buddy always called it compound because it's gated in. Oh. And uh, we um, <clears throat> it, we moved to hit a lot of uh, mod- mobile homes, like, on the property. Oh, yeah? And uh, we would move from place to place on the property, basically, off and on. And uh, a lot of times we stayed on Chuck Berry's property. And we'd, my mom was bipolar, and we'd move around a lot because uh, she would she would all of a sudden get a get a hinkling to, hey, we need to move. <laughs> so I was always ready to move when I was a kid. So I lived a lot of places. That's why I learned how to fight is because you're always a new kid. But um, we'd move a lot, and uh, it was off of Buckner Road in uh, Wentzville, and it's called Berry Park. And we, I mean, we, I go and meet famous people and have a lot of weird stories of famous people because just they come over to visit Chuck. Yeah. So. Man, dude, I can't, I can't imagine what it would be like as a kid to, uh, to kind of be around, because uh, when you're, when you're a kid, like, the, like, um, like who people are, like you don't really know who they yeah. are. You know what I mean? Did you know who Chuck Berry was then? I had an idea. Um. 
you didn't understand it so much as a kid. Um, as how big he was. Because he was just some guy that would come over to your house and your mom would make him gumbo or potato soup and he would take it home and uh, and he'd come and hang out with you and he'd see you, like, you'd call him up and ask him if you go swim in the pool with uh, one of your girlfriends at that point in time or some of your friends. And he'd be like, I know it's a problem. And that's kind of the situations that he would live across the street. He lived like a football field away. Yeah, he's just a guy. He's just if a he was person. that far away. And I got some weird stories with Chuck that I won't get into, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was as weird as people said, but he was also, he's one of the nicest guys on the planet to me. He, uh, he helped out when my mom didn't have a lot of money. Um, he would help. He'd always had a place for us to stay when we didn't have a place to stay. Yeah. So as weird as he was, um, he was just a dude that he, he liked women. <laughs> and, uh, as the story uh, goes, as the story goes, uh, but he's also a great guy. Uh, yeah. He did a lot of stuff for me. He's just a human being. Yeah, yeah, man. Sometimes I feel like um, I don't know how I want to word this. Well, I feel like we hold entertainers and and different people sometimes to too high of a standard. Um, I, I, I can understand both arguments in the sense of like when you are a public figure, like you, you, I, I would want to portray myself a certain way, right. In a certain light, but not everybody is me. You know what I mean? Not everybody, um, has a certain, the same, uh, like upbringing or values or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all just fucking people. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so crazy. And you can take that, you can extrapolate that to almost anything because we act like, just because a person has a certain job that they're going to be up to this certain moral code and that may not be the fucking case. Yeah. Go ahead. Go use the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, dude, don't even worry about it. I'm just going to keep on uh, just keep on rocking and uh, and you can do your thing. Yeah, yeah. Do what you got to do. I'm just going to keep talking to the folks. Um, <laughs> yeah, folks. All right, so let me lean in. Do I talk to the camera? So I'm recording this. I'm here. Either way, um, so yeah, guys, this is uh, this is my buddy Danny O'Connor, and uh, excuse me. Um, like I said, I wanted to have him on the podcast because, in the best way possible, if you can't tell by now, Danny is the craziest son of a bitch I know, and it's it's crazy. I. Uh, he so one time uh we were going to a a uh what was it a 4th of July party or something and I was bringing my girlfriend and I was like I was like you know you're introducing her and you're telling her about different people I'm like we got there I'm like oh yeah that's my buddy Dan and I'm just like I'm like he does I'm like he works overnights um at the strip club on the east side like I go he goes days without sleeping I go I can't tell you how many times he's been shot at like you start running down the list of uh like you know the resume of all these different things you know what I mean like things that I've never gone through but hey man you know we all have our own fucking path and uh I'm just like like she doesn't even believe me like I'm like no yeah this is all true like I'm not lying right now like this and then and then you go and say, hey, come here, such and such. Hey, come here. Like, you start having them, like, confirm all of these details. And then it's like, yeah, yeah, like, that's all true. And it's just like, oh, shit. It's like, so I just knew that I had to share this with you guys because why the fuck would I not do that? 
Sorry. No, here we are. I've been crushing uh, gallons of water a day trying to get this weight off of me. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep it going through you, bro. No, I was just telling the folks on, like, why I wanted to have you here, which I already kind of told you about. Um, I was so – I think it was probably two years ago now. I don't know, one of the Helm Fest or something. Mm-hmm. And um, I was bringing my, my now girlfriend, and we were just kind of uh, – we were driving out there, and just like she was just meeting everybody at the time, and I think we got there. I'm like, oh yeah, like that's Danny, and like I'm giving the rundown. I'm like, oh he like, I'm like this dude goes days without sleeping, like he works on the east side, but like I can't. And then like you start telling her this shit, like I'm telling her these things, and like she doesn't like believe me. So then I'm like, I'm like, hey, like Matt, like Sarah, like come here, like whoever, like. And then they start confirming the shit. It's it's so bad in life where you have to like actually uh, you're a myth, bro. Leave dot leave details and certain things out of your stories because when you start telling them and you see people's face change like they don't believe this is happening <laughs> like you have to have police reports to be- for people to believe what actually happened yeah and uh it's so bad in life because <clears throat> I, I i people ask me to write a book all the time and i i always say i was like dude i can't because people aren't gonna believe that this fucking happened <laughs> nobody's gonna believe that this happened like i'll have incidents where people look at me and go what the fucking shit just happened and i go this is my life i have no I reason said, not to believe i was like i i have uh I'll, I'll downgrade certain things in my life like i won't tell people certain parts of the stories because it sounds too outlandish yeah and i go that there's no way that happened and then you show them pictures of uh you at um the opening planet hollywood talking to uh Talking to like with the all autographs of people that were playing in Hollywood and go, yeah, I, I hung out with uh, Stephen Baldwin and I hung out with uh, all these people and I got into a fight with um, with Bruce Willis's uh, bodyguard at the, <laughs> when I was fourteen years old and uh, I love it. and l- laid him out and um, the stories like that or <clears throat> and some of the stuff that Chuck used to tell you and you, it, people would I've had after Chuck passed away they I had people I had one guy calling me offering me about it was five hundred thousand dollars to write a book about some of the stuff they didn't, that nobody knew about Chuck. But I sat down and thought about it, and I was like, you know, this guy did so much nice stuff for me, and all the stuff this guy's going to ask about is going to be bad stuff. Yeah. So I, I turned it down. Name. Yeah, and I turned it down. <laughs> and uh, I didn't <laughs> man, that money would have been nice. But I couldn't do it because I'm I'm all about character. And he did, uh, he, he was, I, I got stories that nobody's ever heard about the guy. But I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it up paper to pen, uh, pen to paper, and talk bad about him because he did a lot of stuff. And he saved me from getting arrested a couple times when I like girls' dads would come showing up at the house that I had dated and hooked up with, and they're coming to beat the crap out of me or um, doing stupid crap as a kid. And Chuck would say, you know, he he was uh he was with me the entire time, stuff like that. Oh You know, yeah. he did a lot of stuff for me, and he did help me out and help my family. My mom lived there until she passed away and killed herself. Uh, she lived on his property then. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That was there? Yeah. Hmm. So he always had a place for my family to stay. He loved me, and he loved my mom, and he looked after me. He did a lot of nice things for me, so I never, I didn't want to tarnish his name more than it's been tarnished over the years and say things about him and anybody else that I knew that lived on the property. Yeah. Which I knew. I know all the, I knew the, all the ins and outs, and my life's never going to be bad enough that I would talk bad about the guy. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, fuck, man. Loyalty is far more valuable than than money yeah i look at his character i was like i'm big about character i don't i don't have to lie i don't lie about anything because um i think uh 
one of the mob bosses said, there's only reason you lie is if you're uh, scared of the person, you're scared of the consequences. And I'm not scared of any person on the planet. And that's kind of the way I look at things. I don't need to lie. Yeah. I mean, my life's already crazy enough where I have to, I, I lie in the opposite regard, right? I downgrade stories. I leave out details of certain stories because it sounds crazier. It sounds too crazy if I tell you exactly what happened. I'm going to give you like a rough draft of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, some people are obviously fucking liars, right? Yeah. And, um, but at the end of the day, I mean, somebody has to live this life. Whatever this life. I mean, there's so many human beings out there and there's so many fucking journeys and like, just because somebody's experience isn't your experience, it doesn't make it not true. But here's where I could be. But here's who knows? where here's where I came up with the, my way of downgrading my stories of the incidents that happened in my life was if you're telling the story and you're telling it and you know it's going to sound outlandish when you're telling it, that you downgrade it because the person's going to call you a liar or bullshit and they're going to be pissed off and you're going to a fight with a guy. And I figured out throughout my life to to Bring your story back a couple notches from what it actually was, where it sounds more believable. But it's true. You're just not telling the more insanity of it. Like, you're not going to say, I dove out a two-story window to run from the cops. You're going to say, I, I got away for the cops got there or something like that. Because you're saying that something like that when you're a 15-year-old kid. Like, the cops showed up and we're at a party and we're all drinking. And I, I jumped out the window and hit the hill and rolled down the hill and ran from the cops. As opposed to, we all got away for the cops got there. You know, it sounds sounds more believable because people are gonna be like, "No way, jump out a two story window," because that's something they wouldn't do. Yeah, but you could definitely do it. Yeah, and I, that's that's <laughs> one of the stories I talk about. <laughs> Shit, dude. Uh, in high school, dude, I had this. I, I knew this kid, and um, he 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 filmed it though. He filmed himself jumping out of the second story window. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> that's kind of the crap that I would just do. I didn't think before I did a lot of stuff. And uh, thank Christ I never got too severely injured in the dumb crap I did. Yeah. But I did a lot of dumb crap. <laughs> Dude. I was like, it's just, um, it's one of those things in my life where I just, I, I've done so much stuff, I don't know where to go through next, to go to next. It's like I say, I, I, I'm done fighting now. What do I do next? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. I just dove deeper into jujitsu is what I did. It's and... kind of what I'm thinking too, but I got to figure out what my next next act of my life's gonna be yeah yeah so i was like maybe i need to try and set the bar of becoming a millionaire this time so, <laughs> Dude, so i have money or something I always go for that because i i never set the bar i never liked money i love money i less care about money just more of what it does yeah well here's the thing money is not the most important thing in the world by any means but it's pretty fucking important because <laughs> as much as i don't like it like we have to there's this certain game that we're all playing, you know what I mean? And like it's just one piece. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you can if you can solve at least that one piece, it just makes everything else so much easier. Yeah, but I don't like what it does to people. That's what I that's basically why I put it is uh, they say money's root of evil. And everybody I've met that <coughs> was born into money usually are assholes. Now is Generally. that now is that the money or is that just poor character? You know what I mean? I don't because know. Like, I've seen people that were poor and got money. And they turned into a completely opposite person too. Now, were they a good person in the beginning? Yes, and that's what the weird part is. I've, I've, I've somebody to think about. It. As a matter of fact, uh, that we helped them out a lot, and they, um, they got money, and uh, they turned into a completely opposite person. 
and we're and I think it's also who they connect with once they get the money mm-hmm. that ends up changing their resolve as a person. Yeah. To turn them into something else. Because hmm. you gotta remember that once you get money, there's other everybody's wanting the money and trying to figure out ways to get the money. So they're gonna change your whole perspective on life and pe- people that they think you, you were, that are your friends. They're gonna make them look like they're not your friends. And I see that a lot in life. Because uh, especially where I work, I see people that didn't have money and then start getting money, and they just change as people. So I I always hated money. Yeah. And you you can say to yourself, I don't think I would never change if I got money, but you really don't know that until you had it. I've had money, and uh, it didn't change me, but I've seen it change other people. Yeah. Now, is it changing people or is it just revealing more of who they really are? Like who they really who they really want to be, but they just weren't able to. You know what I mean? Because yeah, but I think of the best way to look at it is: are they were they bad people or were they are they easily persuaded into doing things? Other they just talked into certain things or easily convinced of certain things? Because there could be bad, there could be nice people that are easily convinced into doing bad. The easily convinced into thinking other people hate them. Yeah, or easily convinced into doing certain things with their money that they weren't planning on doing, but easily uh, pliable. Some people are that, and way. I think that's a lot of it because you know you look at people that were weren't bad people and they got money and they were kind of pulled into a life that they weren't planning on being pulled into and being talked into certain things that they weren't talked you wouldn't think they'd be able to talked into. Yeah, because they're easily pliable into doing things other people want them to do. Yeah, people pleasers. Yeah. Now, is that an issue of money, or is that just an issue of like weak will? Character? I think there's both of it. Yeah. I don't think the weak will would have came in if you didn't have the money. Hmm. Um, and the money wouldn't have came in if you didn't have a weak. And the money would you wouldn't have spent the money the way you would if you wouldn't have a weak will. So it's cause and effect there. Hmm. It's it's a big thing. As I've seen it a lot. I mean, I've known very rich people. I've known very poor people that came rich and very rich people that came poor. And I've always noticed that people that went rich that became poor always became better people. And the people that became poor that became rich always turned worse people. Hmm. So I've always been a person that just, I just hated money, which my wife despises because <laughs> yeah because I'll, I'll think when I, you only get to have so much money and spend it while you spend it and have fun while you can and she's like well we need to save for this i'm like yeah it makes sense and probably should save for kids college but <laughs> <laughs> fucking college dude yeah yeah i don't know i i have a little bit of a differing view on that because i think that um I think there's a lot of things that can go into a person. I'm not sure if money is the the ultimate kind of factor that's going to reveal those things because some people, you get a lot of money, you can do a lot of fucking good with money. Yeah. You, can, you know, you help a lot of fucking people. You know what I mean? Did you ever get the money though, if you did? What? Did you ever get the money if you went and helped uh, people right off the bat? Like we were talking about um, Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury earlier. Tyson Fury donated his entire mm-hmm. check right to the homeless. Yeah. He couldn't that's, do that if he's that's, poor, though. Well, he didn't get the money. He never had access. He he said he was going to do it. He never got the money. He donated the check. So he never had access to the money where it would have changed him. Now you got to look at it that way. That's an interesting perspective. I mean, but it was still his money to give. Like we know Deontay Wilder. We know uh, Tyson, Tyson Fury's had uh, – he's had some – he didn't grow up rich. He's had a uh, he, – supposedly he's been busted for drink – like doing – Right. Illicit drugs and drinking and stuff and partying so much, which I believe all of it. Being a pikey growing up, yeah, he uh, probably did all that. But he's how old is he? He or how many fights has he had? Like twenty seven. I don't even know. 
So he's like 27, 28-0 or something like yeah. that. And this isn't his big, first big fight. I guarantee you he already has money in his bank account. Yeah, probably, but he, how much has he given to the gypsy community that he's working with? Who knows? There's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, I always like the guy. So here's a – so okay, here's a the point then because – I think I think um, so. He only needs so much money to mm-hmm. to live, right? So he's not like hoarding his money, mm-hmm. right? He like he has enough to live and to do what he wants to do in life. So essentially, he's already solved that money game, and now any extra, he's just helping people with. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. But so you know what I mean? Like it didn't turn. So the he still has well, access to that money, it, but it didn't turn him to a bad know, person. We don't know if it turned him because he had to go to rehab and stuff for when he became a cocaine addiction. Is what I read in the in the news. Yeah, I'm not saying he had or had, but I, was, mm-hmm. I read in the news that he had. Um, you can't have a cocaine addiction unless you had some money to have a cocaine addiction. This is true. It's not a like, poor person. It's like drug. you know, it's uh, that's that's pretty expensive. Yeah, and a guy that size, uh, he was going through. If he was had, if he was doing that much a night, where he had to go to rehab, he was probably doing a thousand dollars a night. That's seven thousand a week. Yeah, you only fight so many so many rounds a day, and it, I read that he only got like. Three million or something for this last fight. One of his biggest fights. You got mm-hmm. three million. Uh, you put that down, and you're probably buying it for your friends too. Like you buy him drinks. He probably fucking went through some money. He probably blew through a lot of money. He, it's, blow is the perfect word. Yeah. Probably blow blow through a lot of money. Yeah, 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 man. He was uh so, fucking tooting the white. <laughs> and a lot of boxers do. Is what's crazy. <sighs> Whoa. Yeah, man. I don't know. I'm trying to solve the money piece, though. I want to. I just, for me, I know, like, I don't need, like, I want, like, on my vision board, I have $250 million written on there because mm-hmm. I fucking I want to go big. But at the end of the day, I really don't give a fuck about the money. I just like the freedom that it buys me to do. Like, and also, like, I feel like you can't give unless you have. Like, I can't give from an empty cup. Like, yeah. if I don't have anything, what the fuck am I going to give you? I can give you my time, but if I also have a lot of money, like, I can probably do more than what I can do with my time. But the way I look at it is I'd rather give it before I had it, if that makes sense. Like, like the way he did it. Like, he didn't have the money in his bank account. Like, if I were to, like, how much money I donated for my last fight, if I had to write a check for the amount of money that probably was, that would probably been like, oh, my God, another zero, another zero, another zero. That would hurt my chest to do. But me not seeing the money ever, yeah, it wasn't hard to do at all mm-hmm. because it was just like you felt good about it. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't. I don't know if you feel good about it if you had to write a check out saying, "Hey, ten thousand dollars." You might because you physically wrote that check and it's just like I am doing. I this. I think it'd be a really tough thing to write that check <laughs> in my head. Yeah, and it'd be a really tough thing. I'm writing that check in front of my wife and going, "You really give that much money to fucking charity when we have this that amount of money and credit card bill, bills?" Yeah, you know. Uh, but it never came to my account where I had to write the check. So yeah. I never had to tell my wife I'm writing a check for X amount of dollars. It just never existed. It just never existed. Yeah. It was never It was never something that came to fruition where I had that money. It was something where I got to go, okay, that money went to there, yeah. and that's that. Yeah. And she never had. She never got to argue with me about it. Well, the, the simplest goal that I have is I just want to be able to go to any restaurant and just order whatever I want and not even think about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if you have tastes of restaurants that are <laughs> gonna cost more than what you have, it does. Well, that's the thing. Just the option. Like, I just, I just love going and checking out place. But let's just say, even just like we're just talking here in St. Louis, you go to, I don't know, like a really decent steakhouse, right? Like nothing extravagant, but you're probably gonna spend, I don't know, like forty or fifty bucks on a really good steak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's not like crazy wealth. You know what I no. mean? But it, you could save up for that every once a month, though. 
<laughs> save. I want to save up, Danny. I want to go do it. I see. My thing is, uh, I, I can cook, so yeah. I can out cook most of the guys at these restaurants. That is true, man. You can fucking you can go get a good cut of meat and cook it at home for far cheaper, and usually do it better than oh my places gosh. too. Get a good cast iron skillet. Oh, uh, get people, that, people get that sear, and then you bake it. People don't understand how you make a lot of food. Yeah. I learned how to cook because I was so poor. Dude, I cook all the time. I very rarely go out to eat. Yeah. I, yeah. I learned how to cook because I was poor as shit. Yeah. You had to make freaking extravagant meals with junk. Yeah. So, like, spam. We had spam in the house all the time. I could <laughs> do some shit with spam that people have never seen before. I bet. Yeah, dude. Fucking growing up poor. It'll teach you a lot in life. Mm-hmm. It'll teach you a fucking lot. Growing up poor, you realize race is nothing. You realize money is nothing. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people they mistake um they mistake race issue like they'll call it the race issue but it's really just like a class issue like they're they're arguing really over like socioeconomics. It's like yeah, we're all poor, so we're all dealing with the same shit. Yeah. I think that's where people get confused sometimes. My thing was always uh I mean, I, ra- racism is alive and well. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. There's racism on every regard. I mean, I work in I work at the east side. I'm white to the Cook's Barbecue in a strip club parking lot and Bob's in a strip club parking lot. On the east side, from the worst time at night to the worst time in the morning. I get racism to me. Now, don't get me wrong. I was like, I have a lot of people that stick up for me and say, listen, it's not, it's not a, such a normal white dude. He's, look where he's doing. He's yeah. hustling barbecue in a parking lot. Uh, he's, he's as black as you. I was like, well, it's, it's funny when they say that stuff. I always get a laugh about it. My grandparents are off the boat from Ireland. Mm-hmm. We never had the they didn't they didn't have any contact with anybody other than Irish people until they came here. And Irish are considered Yeah. You know, yeah, like, there's a lot of uh synonyms for racism for Irish people and black people. Yeah. That people don't know unless you look back on it. Yeah. I'm not saying we've had the had a hard rupturing or anything like that like a lot of people say which is bullshit. But I mean we were looked upon as the same in a lot of regards mm-hmm. when Irish people came over because they were hated as well. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't have any racist bone in my body. I love everybody until you give me reason not to like you. So that's the way I look at things, yeah. and uh, that's why people. Right off the bat, you might look at me like, "Why does white dude cooking barbecue in the East Side parking lot when a black dude could cook it better?" I grew up cooking in a North in North County, and learned how to cook their barbecue there. Yeah. With black people, that's who taught me. Yeah. I was like, so you're gonna find out right off the bat that I was like, it's not like that. Right. And I'll stand up for anybody that needs to be stood up for, no matter what color you are, against what color you are. Yeah. So now we're getting into a little deeper subject, but I was like, I love everybody. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care what color you are or what race you are, if you're gay, straight, or whatever. If you need to be stood up for and you can't do it for yourself or you're you're outnumbered, I'm on the I'm on the uh, underdog side always. Right. So no matter what. Yeah, I mean, we're all just fucking humans, dude. Um. There's just so many, like, social constructs that are just, like, put into place that, like, create, like, fear-mongering and just, like, try to pit things against each other. And it's just, like, I don't understand. 100% agree with that. I was, like, I I grew up dating freaking black girls when I was young. I was, like, I was around all all kids who were black when I was growing up. I was, like, those are my friends. Those are still my friends. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, me and you are boys. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things where growing – like, working where I work, you get – the, you see the racism on both sides of it, and it's disgusting to me. It really is, and it's a, unfortunate. A, a lot of that's just is it, well, it is. It's not a lot of it. All of it's taught. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's all fucking taught. And um, I grew up. So I grew up 
in Jefferson City from mm-hmm. the time I was, I don't know, like 11. But before then, I lived in Potosi, Missouri, which for mm-hmm. the folks listening, it's a small little town, probably, I don't know, about an hour south of here, St. here in St. Louis. And um, I don't know how many people are there. Maybe two thousand. Yeah, small. Not not very many people. I think there's there's a prison out there, which is what mm-hmm. most people know it for. But me growing up, dude, I grew up like it was really weird because I was probably I was only one of like a handful of like black people there, and like I'm not even that dark, right? Like yeah. I'm mixed, and uh, and all the other people who are black there are probably like related to me. And then like sometimes now, like whenever I think about it, some no kid ever really cared. You could tell whose parents were and weren't racist because sometimes kids would say some stupid shit. But, like, when you're a kid, like, unless you unless you know, like, you don't know that that's bad. Like, you don't know, like, how that's supposed to make you feel. Like, you can tell, like, a kid's trying to be mean to you, but you don't necessarily know how that's going to, like, you know what I mean? Like, I can remember sometimes some kids saying some shit, and, um, like, I just didn't think twice about it until, like, I started learning more, and then I learned how it made me feel. And, like, one of the, the big things was we had this dude in town. His, uh, I don't know his name, but he was in the KKK. And it's funny, like, perspective, because, like, now, as, like, an adult, I'm just, like, this is just, like, this short, fat, like, hillbilly guy who lives in a trailer in the fucking woods and, like, probably just dumb as a box of fucking rocks. You know what I mean? But, like, at that time as a kid, I'm, like, that's a fucking grown man. He scared the shit out of me, dude. And, like, he always had, like, uh, one time I can remember a couple times. Well, one time he drove – well, he drove around this this truck, and there's, like, this little main street through the town, which was um, – you, you had to go buy it for me to go home. And um, there's this bench there. And he'd always be parked out there, and, like, in the back of his truck, a little red pickup truck, like, on a little Chevy S10 or some shit – one time in the back of it, he had this coffin, like this wooden coffin he put back there. He had this sign that said, niggers should be in here, not veterans, or something like that. And then this other time, he had um, he had some rig set up with a noose and, like, a dummy hanging, like a black person hanging. So, like, dude, like, I can remember, like, being a kid and, like, sometimes, like, going to sleep, like, being scared, like, knowing that that guy was out there. And then, like, just, like, <laughs> seeing that, like... As an adult, like, I look back on that and was like, dude, that's just, like, a lot of uh, just poor education and fear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, like, fucked up. Like, that's not something that's actually in us as humans, I don't feel. No. I mean, people... I think people fear what they don't understand. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But, like, as, like, a kid, like, kids don't see color in that regard. And you know what I mean? And then, like, start, like, I don't like you because of your color. Yeah. Uh, my daughter, like, I, I dealt with this crap on both sides because when I moved from, like, North County to Lake St. Louis, you have a North County accent. I always have my North County accent. I can go to my fucking Irish accent, too, but I, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I had a North County accent, um, and it was, uh, it, you know, I would, in North County, you're the white kid, and when you move to the white area, you're like the hillbilly Winsville area, you're the, the ghetto kid. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was always the outcast. Yeah. And I never had a problem with it. It was funny. I never never bothered me so much, but I didn't have it to the extent you had it. But um, my daughter, when she, when she was growing up, she was in Ferguson Florissant School District. She was the only white kid in her class. So she... Uh, That's got to be rough. Oh, it was. And it was one of the reasons I moved <laughs> out of Ferguson Florissant, because I love North County. Mm-hmm. I, I love North County to the day I die. Um, 
she be started going and think, thinking that everybody of color was mean because yeah. all the kids in her class where she was the only white kid, they were screwing with her. And she'd get in fights because I taught her how to fight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to move out of there as soon as, I, as soon as I sensed that she might start becoming something that I never wanted her to become or something I wasn't or something my wife wasn't. Yeah. Because it was just, it was ingrained in her and it wasn't taught. Yeah. It was ingrained because... That was the experience she had. Yeah. So I moved her. I moved the hell out of there. Like got rid of my house that I was working to own, and uh, went from having a place to stay, a big ass house, and uh, it was in Calverton Park, big ass house there, and uh, I didn't want my daughter to become racist at all. Yeah. Because I'm not from that from that bad experience. Yeah, and she she was getting a bad experience in that school district because she was, and it wasn't these kids' fault. I don't think it was taught like we were saying, as much as it was, she was different. And I think the fact that she was the different kid, she was blonde hair, blue eyed, pigtail girl, and all the rest of the kids weren't. Yeah, once you do get to a certain age, like kids do become assholes. I, yeah. think, I think it's important to keep in context like the ages. Yeah. Because like, when I say kids, I'm thinking like real, real young kids, yeah, right? Yeah, she, like, she, she was in kindergarten. Yeah, yeah. So like once you start getting into like that, uh, like that six, seven, eight-year-old range, you start like realizing the differences in people, and some kids really start attacking those. Yeah. yeah. And I would actually like, because I think I made it sound like I experienced a whole lot of hate now that without guy, yeah, but like for the most part, like all the kids were were like great. Like I can just thinking back in hindsight, some kids saying some things, and then um, like my whole family, like I was my mom's white, and I was basically raised by like that whole side of the family. Um, so like I mean, I I never like thought like all white people were bad. Yeah, but I could definitely see how. I mean, you see that with kids all the time, right? Like, and she wasn't she wasn't mixed is the thing. She didn't have the. I would actually have um, black friends come over and trying to introduce my daughter and be like, hey, this is one of dad's friends. And she was starting to get that feeling of he's black, kind of be wary of him because of what she was dealing with. And yeah. I was like, man, I, I can't have this in her because I never had this. Uh, I never felt this. And I don't want this to be instilled in her at all. Yeah. So we moved the hell out of North County to actually move from there to uh, move from there to freaking West County. And I mean, I left, <laughs> lost a shit ton of money doing it, yeah. but I couldn't have that in my daughter. Again, money doesn't mean shit to me. Yeah. I'd rather have my daughter not be that person that I thought that that was where she was going to become. Yeah. And it, she may never have. She may have grown out of it and been like, screw that. No, I'm, I was wrong when I was younger. But I was so scared of her being something that I never believed in, never saw, never wanted. I was so scared of that. That was my thing. My kids are my world and I didn't want them to be... I, I I try and stay in the same position, same, because moving around so much screwed me up as a kid. I'm trying to stay in the same like area and same school district for my daughter and my son, yeah. so they don't move to. I went to like ten different high schools, <laughs> you know. Yeah, dude, I understand. I um I really like the school district that uh, my kids are in now. It's um yeah, it's just a really good school district. There's a lot of diversity and mm-hmm. there's uh just uh, tons of great programs. So honestly, you moved into a definitely probably better pro- like school district anyway. Oh yeah, we moved from Ferguson Florissant to um Rockwood, from Rockwood to uh Wentzville. Wentzville is phenomenal. That's a great school district. Like they out do there. really good for my daughter. Nice. And uh my son's get, my son's getting ready to be in kindergarten next year and yeah. he's going to be uh he's going to move into but he's in a better school district than Ferguson Florissant. Now, don't get me wrong, I I kind of wanted my kids to have that diversity. But that's just a shit. Like, yeah, it's, it's not, when they quit sending home homework to these kids, and I yeah. think it's 
they we would have my daughter turn in homework and they quit sending home homework to her in kindergarten and they said well the other kids weren't doing it and I said I don't give a shit yeah so it was one of the, they lost accreditation when we were there and a lot of stuff yeah that school district's taking yeah. a hard hit they're not doing so hot no well this was before the uh, all the stuff happened over in Ferguson yeah this is before all that stuff happened mm. so she was there before and it was just going downhill from there yeah well you left at a good time yeah we left like right before. Now, it would have been a lot easier to sell while it was going on because I could have just been like, made, like, burn this home down <laughs> as opposed to me paying all this money for <laughs> That's funny, dude. But, um, you know, it's one of those things. It was, uh, like, I'm the, I'm the nicest guy on the planet. Yeah. Until you push me and then I'm the meanest guy on the planet. But I don't care what ethnicity you're brought up in or anything like that yeah and i don't i want my daughter to be like open to everybody yeah like hey you can talk to anybody you want i don't care who you date i don't care what you do just don't screw up yeah you know and it's one of those things where i hopefully she kind of goes up the way i did in that regard screw up small (laughs) yeah screw up small and small small areas (laughs) don't screw up big yeah because i never screwed up big yeah i was like that was my thing i never screwed up big in my entire life yeah. I screwed up small a lot of times. Yeah, dude. I mean, you're going to fail and fail often, but just do it on a small scale. You yeah. Know, you know what I mean? Like, in the sense of, like, don't do it. I heard, um, I don't know if I was listening. I don't know if I was listening to something, or I think I was, but somebody said uh, it's better to uh, want something you don't have than to have something you don't want. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Like, fuck, dude. Like, I... And then the, it comes with the old saying of, uh, what was it? One of the uh, great actors said, it was like, uh, I'd rather uh, learning growing up Catholic. I learned to uh, it's better to ask Jesus for forgiveness than than ask for something you don't want or something like that. Oh uh, yeah, or well, it's better to ask for uh, forgiveness than it is you know permission. Yeah, permission. Uh, <laughs> still, still the bike and uh, ask for forgiveness than to <laughs> ask for permission to steal the bike. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of the same way to look at it as I'd rather have uh, I'd rather be able to have get get something and keep it than ask for, than try and want it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You don't you definitely don't want to ask for permission to go out and get it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh go go make whatever it is happen that you're trying to happen. And um I, I usually extrapolate that to like just how I want to live my life. Like I'm just trying to sure. build the life that I wanna live, you know what I mean? And I think um, you know, money not being important kinda does tie into that because if you're so tied into like making this X amount of dollar, like that'll keep you like trapped. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Live to your means and uh, be content with what they got. That's a big thing I've always been good at is being content with what I got. Yeah. So, like, I rent my car, and uh, I was getting ready to buy a new car, and I thought, you know what? My wife works her ass off. I'll buy her a new car instead, and I'll take her old car that she doesn't want anymore. So, and that's what I did is I did that. And I was like, now don't get me wrong. I'm not thrilled with the car I have. It's not my, my dream car. I was like, but she's happy with the Lincoln she has, and I'm driving around the car that – I never wanted. <laughs> yeah, it works. But it, she's happy, and it's easier to be. If she's happy, it's easier to be happy mm-hmm. than it is to be like, I wish I had what she had. It makes sense. Yeah. She's happier, happy wife, happy home. Yeah, I guess the best way to put it. Yeah, if she's happier, then it's it comes back to me where she's not coming home pissed off all the time. Yeah, you know. <laughs> hey man, you gotta pick your fucking battles. Yeah, you know it's important. I'm very, I'm I'm cool with. I'm cool with having my battles of my wife's okay to make out with me and have fun with me. <laughs> <laughs> Living the good life, Because that's, that's, the, that's the dream is having a wife that's happy. <laughs> that's for sure, dude. It makes everything else a whole lot easier um, when whoever uh, 
I guess your life partner is, is fucking happy. Shit. Yeah. Good shit, Danny. Well, bro, we uh about an hour and a half in, dude. It's awesome. Well, dude, let's wrap this up. Yes, sir. It's been a great conversation. Um, the floor is yours. Is there anything you want to plug, talk about sponsors, um, uh, socials, if people want to get a hold of you? Whatever, crap. Whatever. If, you, if you like my tattoos, go to Diablo Inc. And uh, go to Wolves Den MMA for we want to come and hear more crazy stories from me. Um, and I work at Diamond Cabaret on the east side if you like to come and have some food and see if I'm as good as I talked. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, Dan, I appreciate it, brother. No problem, brother. All right, everyone. Glad I was here.